Hello everyone, this is Carmen Rose. This is Dinesh Akatigisu. This is Camilla Kamsler. Sunflower Ideal. Hello, hello, this is JL. Hey, this is Han Boy. Hey, this is Jay. Hey, this is V. And you're listening to. And you're listening to. You're listening to. And you're listening to. And you're listening to. And you are listening to. Kunyit Square. Kunyit Square. Kunyit Square. Kunyit Square. Kunyit Square. Square. You're listening, you're listening to, to Kunyit Square. Square. Hello, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of Kunyit Square. How are you, V? <laughs> I'm good. How about you? I'm doing all right. Um, I'm finally able to have solid food. Oh yeah, because. During the last recording, you just had your mola removed. Yeah, um, and I recently got the stitches removed, and I'm able to chew properly now. So, um, of course, I have had burgers. I've had <laughs> cakes. <laughs> what was your first solid food? I think it was probably just um rice and veggies. Like I had it blended um during the week, but when I finally could have it, it was just like usual food, but um uh-huh. without being blended. But then I think um recently, probably the week after I had the surgery, um mm-hmm. I had burgers and I had some. Milk tea. Oh, milk tea mm. was apples. It was so good. Um, I had <laughs> I had because I had it with boba, so it was really good. Yum. Well, speaking of bubble tea, today I had Thai milk tea at this really good Thai place in uh, Pavilion Elite. Well, Thai food is my favorite, and we went there with a Thai friend, so he was actually giving us like a gastronomic tour of the food there, and it was approved by him. So, uh, I, I that we brought him, and he liked the food. So, yay, that was great. Have you been uh, eating out recently during this pandemic? No, and that I think that's one of the most depressing things from. <laughs> this last few weeks like I haven't really been going out much at all besides to go to work mm-hmm. um I've barely gone out to eat like even when I hang out with friends we go to each other's houses right order right. grab food so no I've not been um eating out much and I think that's really going to spill over to like every other aspect where you know you just be like oh my gosh I have not done anything throughout the year and it's going to be you know December soon exactly like most of this quarantine I think we've spoken about this before and it one of my coping mechanism is to listen to new music and um, I think our fans would, I don't know whether they're tired already of me bringing up Dua Lipa at every opportunity. <laughs> but she did come out with a new song with Miley Cyrus. Well, she's been giving us songs. Like right before this, she was with Angele, I believe her name. Uh, I'm not sure she's a French singer. So she had a song, of, like half English, half French song with that person. And now she has a new song with Miley Cyrus. And she's just like 
you know, she started giving us life with air quotes. I'm kidding. Yeah. Uh, during the start of the lockdown, and she's still giving us stuff. Like 2020, Dua Lipa is really like holding our hands at this point. <laughs> yeah, I think I think Dua Lipa is doing well. Like she's giving us, um, giving upbeat the tunes. <laughs> like you know, it's not like Taylor Swift with her you know mellow tracks. This is like <laughs> we're all happy despite the pandemic. It, it's it's I think quite motivational. Right, and I still can't believe that you like folklore so much. I think it's, you know, a healthy change of um, music for, for, for Miss Swift. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, something else that I've also been doing, doing during this pandemic was uh, my skincare. Like, I've been doing it a lot more religiously. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if our listeners have come across this skincare ad by Lumin. It's quite... Uh, their, their digital marketing is really good. Like, they're, like, almost everywhere. Yeah, they're pretty much... I know, right? So, after a few months, and... Well, I I know that you got your lumen. So (laughs) I did. (laughs) After a few months of, uh, you know, keep on, like, finding the ads everywhere. And after I found out that you bought it, so I decided to sign up for for it as well. And the delivery charges to Malaysia for you to get, like, three different items is just... 20 ringgit. So basically, the item is free. They just charge for delivery. That is, that's it, right? So so I got it, and I've been using it for about a month now. Uh, but unfortunately, I'm not seeing any changes to my skin. How about you, Jay? Do you feel any difference? Um, Not really, but I'm also supplementing it with all my other skincare products. So I feel like because yeah. maybe... Um, I've been taking care of my skin all this while that maybe it's more of just um, keeping things going because Mm -hmm. a lot of their social media ads were about, you know, like um, guys who haven't really been taking care of their skin and this makes such a huge difference. Whereas for me, I've I've been using skincare products for for, your whole life. Like like your mom was putting face masks on you while you were a baby. (laughs) Which is only, you know, 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah, still a child. Oh, which... <laughs> I mean, saying that you were 10 years old kind of relates to our topic today, doesn't it? Kind of, yes, it does. <laughs> but yes, um, so uh, today we're going to be talking to Rahimi, uh, who is actually an... Uh, an activist, uh, especially on Twitter. So he is quite vocal on sexual abuse and child grooming on Twitter, mainly, uh, especially because of what he has gone through himself during his younger younger age um, in a boarding school. And he has actually written at length on this issue. Uh, and the article can actually be found pinned on his Twitter page. So we, we will be tagging him on Twitter when this episode comes out so that you can read the article as well. The article's very relatable it was very relatable for me at least and i hope our listeners would also look up the article and read it uh, as a preface before listening to this episode and um, actually today's topic is also very topical uh, because as i was doing some research for today's issue i found 
sexual grooming news from Malaysia as early as this year. And it's it's actually quite serious. Like this latest case that I came up, uh, that I came across uh, involved a principal, a school principal, a senior teacher, and an underage student. So I think this topic is very timely and we are very excited to have Rahimi join us today. So uh, without further ado, let's get Rahimi over. Let's do it. Rahimi. Hi. How have you, how have you been? Uh, I've been good. Um, um, I've never been better, I would say. Oh, that's great. Mm. What have you been up to? Uh, right now, um, the main thing that I'm focusing on is doing my research. I mm-hmm. am a master's student at Taylor's University. Uh, I'm doing a research on how to improve the education system, sort of. Right. Yeah. Uh, and then I also work in... Uh, I work for an NGO that advocates for sexual health. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also teach some undergraduate students how to speak mm-hmm. uh, and then I do some freelancing which involves uh, content creating, content editing, narrating, proofreading, proof editing and some translation works. Wow, wow. Like, yeah sounds like you have a, quite a lot of things on your plate. Uh, yeah yeah that's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> do you like having so much on your plate? Like, do you find, I guess, fulfillment from like keeping busy? Uh, I think it's not enough. I want to do more. Wow, yeah. <laughs> that is very impressive. <laughs> yeah, it's very impressive, and it was also very refreshing to hear that you've you're doing uh you know you're doing great during the pandemic, like the best you've ever been. Oh yeah, definitely. I mean. I think I can do better, but right now I'm just grateful for how things are. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How are mm-hmm. y'all doing during this pandemic? <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> um, we are coping. Like you know, we have this podcast which keeps us busy, and uh, we we really enjoy uh, talking to lots of new people about various topics. Right, Jay? Yeah, I think every episode so far, we do check in with our guests just to see how they're doing um, in the pandemic. But ourselves, I think I think both V and I have been fortunate to have been, I guess, still have our jobs mm-hmm. and yes. still being able to like go out as, I guess, not as often, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's always a disclaimer. Like I see mm. people on Instagram, even if they post pictures without a mask on, there's always like a caveat there, like, oh, I just took it off for the picture and I put it on right after. So I feel like everything you gotta up with disclaimer. Yeah. Maybe, uh, yeah, we are we are quite content of uh, being able to go after our pursuits. So yeah, that's what's keeping us busy. That's great to hear. Looks like you all are coping really well. Yes. Now let's go back to you. Mm, okay. <laughs> so the reason uh we wanted to talk to you was uh about an article that you actually wrote in 2018. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 
about your experience uh, mm. being groomed while you know while you were very young. Uh, when the article came out, what was the reception like to the article? Uh, were there people around you that were actually surprised to find out what had happened to you? Okay, um, let me break this down uh, mm. a little bit. So some of my acquaintances who went to the same school as I did, they were after reading that they reached out to me. They were saying things like, "Oh, I didn't know that you were unhappy being in that school. Um, no wonder you slept a lot in class. You were a different, a completely different person after a few months." And I was a bit surprised that they noticed it because um, I didn't realize until much later in my life that. Oh, things were different. At some point, things changed, and myself, I also changed in a negative uh, way. I changed like um, I wasn't happy with uh the way things were. So um, there were a few acquaintances who like actually responded to me. And then there were strangers who texted me, who DM'd me saying if I send my son or my daughter or my child to a boarding school, like how do I make sure this thing doesn't happen to them? So what I told them was um, keep an open mind, always ask your child how they are in school and when they want to probe uh, make sure to use polite language. Um, be mindful of their language because mm-hmm. things like this you don't just um, ask directly and expect to get an answer right away. Because victims tend to uh, hide a lot of information. Victims don't want to relive. Uh, victims find that the trauma. Uh, they can't han- handle the trauma and the trauma like um, erases some memories and those memories come back in pieces. So uh, mm-hmm. a, a lot of the parents, I just told them, uh, make sure that uh, you, stay com- you stay connected with your children. Like tell them that it's okay to uh, let them know what happened in school, whatever good things that happened, whatever bad things that happened. And as parents, I told them, as parents, uh, don't like jump into conclusion immediately and don't start blaming. Like just listen to the whole story from A to Z. Because prior to the article, I confided in a few friends. Uh, that's how I got to know that I was abused as a child. So mm-hmm. um, I was... I don't know. I I I wasn't surprised since um I'm not the kind of person who gets who reacts like you know if you get a bad news you'll tend to like you know just break down and fall or whatever like that like my uh reaction towards it was like oh I want to know more like. Uh, that's why I confided in this friend of mine. So I told her that these things happened. And then she said, uh, oh, you were sexually groomed. And we started to discuss the uh, power play in it, the 
mm-hmm. the entire situation, analyze how I reacted to that situation. Just I just wanted to understand why it happened, how it happened, mm-hmm. and how do I get through it, you know? Right. Right now in Malaysia, uh, there aren't much awareness on sexual grooming, right? Uh, I would say yes, but um, that's just a personal opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think a lot of people now know that these things happen and it happens more often in our private lives instead of like mm. out there, you know? Um, so uh, if... I think Monsters Among Us, um, if you've heard of it, it's an NGO that advocates for um, children, well, mostly children. I'm not involved with them, uh, but mm-hmm. I know what they do. They they basically advocate for, they, they, they tell parents, they tell uh, Malaysians that oh, abuse happened. It doesn't, like, if nobody talks about it, it doesn't mean it is not happening. So that's what Monsters Among Us do lah. So um, I would say that uh, people are getting more aware about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. And um, things are... Um, how should how do I say? I think things are getting better because like uh, now with the um, awareness of mental health and uh, people are more eager to know about mental health issues and like past traumas that might affect our mental health. It has a connection there. So I would say that the awareness is rising more than like maybe 10 or 15 years ago. Mm, understand? Mm. Um, it also feels like whenever we hear about such cases, right, it feels as if this action by by an older person to a child is is one off instead of as if it were an action or an or a thought that they had at the moment and they decided to act on it rather than them having put in uh, the work with air quotes into grooming the child before before actually taking advantage of the child, so to say. Uh, do you think the media paints it that way? Like, the media doesn't give much ex, uh, like an expose or an exposure towards grooming itself? Oh. oh. Mm. I think what our media lacks is telling us how it happens. Like, um... Like you know those details or red flags that we're that we are supposed to look for. Uh, I don't know much about how our media portrays abuse, but like in general, mm-hmm. they'll tell you that oh, there's a victim and there's the perpetrator, and not much context is uh put in. So like how media from the West portrays this kind of um abuse is that they tell you specific details they tell you predatory behavior they tell you how 
these victims behave, uh, how they were victimized, all those details, like they lay it out so that we know how it happens. In my article, I did not explicitly say what they do, but I mm-hmm. just summarize what they did lah. So um, mm. just to give some context about what happened to me. So I was at this boarding religious school and a bully was a culture there. I mean, mm-hmm. what, which school doesn't have a, a, a bully as a culture, right? So um, basically what the seniors did was um, they asked a lot of the juniors to do errands for them, like washing their clothes, ironing their clothes, um, getting food, things like that. So um, I was quite a feminine person back then. Um, I was not like a typical uh, manly uh, adolescent. Um, So I, because I, I saw some of my friends who got, you beat up like severely and these seniors they're really smart they they hit you where people can't see visible bruises so i was scared that i one day i might be like some of my friends like i would be punched or kicked until Mm -hmm. i am turned into a pulp so um i just obeyed i if they ask me to do this, if they ask me to do that, I just um, do it. I just did it. So uh, it it started with like ironing and washing clothes. Those things are like, yeah, I don't mind doing them for the seniors. I don't see it as, as bully. But mm. then like, I guess because I was very feminine and some one of the seniors was like, uh, can you give me a massage? So I gave him a massage, you know? Um, and at that time, I think it was like 12, 8, 11.30 p.m. or 12 a.m. like that. And everybody mm-hmm. else was asleep. And mm-hmm. I just gave him a, massage, a, a back massage. And then somehow he got turned on and... Um, he asked me to like go lower and lower, you know, like I was like, okay, okay, uh, from the shoulders, I guess, to the back a bit, like, like behind the ribs. So I was, uh, massaging on that area and then he was like, no, uh, lower, lower. And I was like, this is making me so uncomfortable. I don't know. (laughs) I just, you know, I just froze. I was like. Dang it, I don't know what to do. So um at that moment, um the way like my my brain just froze and then nothing like my conscience didn't say anything, it was empty, and then the only thing that I could hear was lower, lower, lower. So I was like, okay, lower, okay, I'll I'll get lower until um it was my hands were like massaging his butt and then he said um touch it so he asked me to touch it and i was like touch what <laughs> touch what i was like what the hell what, what is going on here <laughs> so 
um, I was like, I I just kept quiet and just um pitched his butt, and he was like, just touch my dick, <laughs> and I was like, I don't want to do this. I I I really didn't want to do it. And then he just took my hand, and he turned around. He okay. He turned around and he took my hand and put it on his penis, and I was like, "Oh, I don't know what to do." So I was just grabbing it, like, like, like I didn't know what to do. And then he was like, "Stroke it," <laughs> and I was like, "What do you mean, stroke it?" <laughs> Oh until, my god! Until, until that moment, you had not done anything like that, right? Even no, mm-hmm. no. I okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was thirteen, and uh, for me at that point of my life, I was like, mm-hmm. uh, curious. I wanted to explore my sexuality, but not in that way, you know, not in a in yeah. in in a, a a setting where power is being abused. Um. So, uh, my the way I explored my sexuality was uh contaminated, polluted, ruined. Um, mm-hmm. but okay. Anyway, back to the story. So after holding it and stroking it, he was like, "Open your mouth," and I was like. Do I want to do this? <laughs> I really didn't want to do it because you know I. First of all, I don't know how to do it, and second of all, it's mm. a school. If we get caught, I will get into trouble. Also, it's not just you. I am involved in this here, in yeah. with this act. You know, like it's a religious mm-hmm. school, and people will like say bad things about you. They're they're very conservative, so I was like, right. yeah, I don't want to get into this kind of trouble. Um, and then, uh, I end up, w- well, his penis end up in my mouth, and then I just put it in there, and I again I didn't know what to do, and he was like, go up and down. <laughs> and I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> I was like, girl, am I really am I really doing this? Am I really going to do this? Is this like my first? Sexual experience is gonna be like this. So after right. that night, after it was over, I just went back to my room and I was like, "Oh my god!" I I just I just felt like, "Oh man, I'm so dirty. I'm such a slut." And my I was like disheveled and I just laid down in my bed and I was like, "Oh my god!" I just did a serious sin. <laughs> I was like, "Damn, I'm gonna go to hell." I. <laughs> I don't belong in heaven. I was like, oh God, I, I was so dirty. I don't know how how the hell if my mom knows about this, if my dad knows about this, I'm gonna get the beat of my life. I'm gonna be labeled as a deviant, as a pengkuni neraka and whatnot. And I was like, yeah, I'm not gonna tell anyone about this. So that night, I think I slept at two a.m. and then the next morning, I just. Um, I just thought, you know, things last night didn't happen, so I went about with my day, and um, I I didn't have the chance to like process everything, and I didn't have anyone else to tell it to because 
number one, I was ashamed. Number two, I, you know, like um, I feel like it's a a a big sin of me doing that. Right. And then, um, number three, I don't want to be judged by a bunch of Muslims. Mm. <clears throat> and number four, I'm gonna be in that school for the next eight months, so I don't want people to side eye me or whatever. Right. So things go on like this for the next eight months. I was surprised. Like, I thought it was just gonna be a one-time thing, but apparently, mm. um, other seniors um came to my bed and just lying down next to me, taking my hand, doing things on me, and like, mm. but things were never. Like, get got heavy. I I think there were two times that the seniors wanted to poke me, and mm-hmm. it was painful. It was mm-hmm. excruciating. It was hell. I was like, nah, ah, no, I'm not gonna do this. I was like, I just turned mm-hmm. around and I said, stop, I don't want this. And then he mm-hmm. just said, okay, okay, just suck my dick. And I was like, mm-hmm. all right. <laughs> So, mm-hmm. um, throughout the year, my yeah. academic performance went down. Um, right. I didn't perform well. I slept in class a lot. Mm-hmm. I I disconnected with a lot of my friends in a way that um, I wasn't my authentic self. At that time, I had the assumption that if I tell. If I told my family things are gonna go south really quick, my dad, mm-hmm. the first thing that my dad is gonna do is either beat me up or ask me where the seniors live and beat or and beat them up. So right. that is something that I don't want to happen. So I just kept it to myself. Right. So and then you might also ask yourself, how the hell did I cope with all of this? Mm. And like any other. Growing up, gay men in Malaysia, Lady mm-hmm. Gaga, Katy Perry, Kesha, all of those mm. iconic singers—they helped me throughout the my school year. So I was like, um, and I think at some point I just don't feel like showing my authentic self. I changed uh, in front of people. I tend to like hide my personality, but in the bathroom, mm. I would lip sync to Lady Gaga and Kesha. But mm. I didn't bring a phone, lah. I was like playing the music in my head and just, you know, um, mm-hmm. relish the moment. Mm-mm-mm. And then um, once uh, the the school year finished, I. I told my dad, like, um, I want to transfer to another school, please. Hey guys, have you heard of Alleviate? Yes, it's the one spelled L-E-V-8. Alleviate is the newest safe space for HIV, PrEP, and all your sexual health matters. They're here to extend reach, heighten awareness of the issues in our community, and also effectively support the community with HIV efficacy programs. Alleviate your doubts and worries by searching for lev8.my on Facebook today.
and then um once uh the the school year finished i i told my dad like um i want to transfer to another school please and he was like mm-hmm. um oh why do you want to transfer to another school and i just told him um because mm. this school is too far and i want to be at a school where it's closer to home but i still want to live in the school like at the hostel lah right, so right. um in 2010 i moved to a new school and mm. um it was also my choice i mean the first school was my choice the second school was also my choice i wanted a, 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 a an islamic education so in this new school There were seniors who were very feminine, and when I met them, I knew from the start that oh, they're sluts. <laughs> I was like, I knew, <laughs> I was like, oh, girl, you're like very feminine. You're like very soft. I I know for a fact that oh, they must be gay as well. So I just wanted to like be friends with them, and you know, like tell them, talk to them, you know, tell them things. Mm. Yeah. But instead, they were like. Um, enabling me, they were like, "Oh, in your old school, like, I think at some point I told they asked me like, what have I done, you know, like sexually? Mm-hmm. So um, I, I told them, oh, I've I've never done anything heavy, and they were like, oh my god, you have to do it, it's so good, and I was like, ah, <laughs> they were like." Yeah, it's gonna be painful for the first minute, and then the next few, the next minutes until the the person uh, ejaculates, it's gonna be heaven for you. And I was like, oh, this is intriguing. <laughs> and I was like, mm-hmm. okay, maybe I want to try it. So, so, so in the uh, new school, it was a, it was more consensual with the seniors there. Yeah, but in the new school, mm-hmm. what I like was, um, mm-hmm. there was no power play. I didn't do it with the seniors. I did it with my peers. So, when I in 2010, when I was 14, it was literally like a, a coming of age movie. You know, like I know this guy is so mm-hmm. good looking, and I was like, I want to give my virginity to him. So I was, <laughs> I was like, oh my god, I want to do it with him. And then I just told the seniors who this. Um, fe- effeminate seniors like oh I want to do it with this guy he's so cute and then they were like oh you should definitely do it with him he knows how to fuck and his his dong is big and I was like oh how do you approach them and I asked them that and then one hmm. of them said I can help you I I asked him to mm-hmm. he said to me that uh, he could ask This person's permission to have sex with me, so he was like the middle person, lah. This other senior, uh, he was like, "Oh, um, I'm having, I'm gonna have sex with him Friday night. Do you want to have a threesome?" And I was like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> <laughs> This is before you had even done anything. You were already asked to do a threesome. Yes, but okay. <laughs> So this threesome was like, uh, it's him, it's this one feminine, effeminate, uh, senior, and the person I have a crush on, and then me, 
and mm-hmm. they were doing the heavy stuff and i was like yeah mm-hmm. i don't know how to do this so i'm just gonna try kissing you and do things with my mouth so that's it mm-hmm. that's just mm-hmm. it i just did mm-hmm. that that was like my first threesome experience and then mm-hmm. um i think the next week was my turn to have my own one to one experience mm-hmm. with my crush so the 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 first senior who was the middle person who asked him if that i wanted to have sex with him he told me that oh he's in he wants to fuck you and i was like oh okay cool mm-hmm. yeah let's get it <laughs> and i was like okay um i waited until friday and um uh i didn't have at that point i didn't i didn't bring a phone to school yet so uh mm. i just waited at the stairs and then he approached me and then he's like uh where do you want to do it we we i think it was like 11 pm or so mm-hmm. it was lights mm-hmm. out already lah but i was like uh you know what i i don't want to do it in the room because people might still be awake so we went to a place just under just on the the ground floor of the hostel so it's a it's it it's like an empty room and then we went there and we started to have sex and then mm-hmm. um when it came to a point where he was going to fuck me i was like mm-hmm. oh god please don't let this hurt like hell and i was like mm-hmm. i was going to be ready for it so when right. he put it in and i was like ah oh, dang it oh my god that's so, that hurt so much and i was like uh can you wait a bit and then he waited you know like he was mm-hmm. quite accommodating and he's like okay mm-hmm. he's going to wait and then i was like uh i'm i was waiting for the pain to go away and then i was like okay you can inserted it now and then he put it in and then i was like okay and then he got faster and i was like okay mm-hmm. and then i was like you know what this is so good so i was mm-hmm. like i turned my head and i was like faster <laughs> after we were done i just grabbed my pants and um you know tidy myself up and i was like yeah thank you so much and i just ran back into my room my face was i i guess i could feel that my face was red and the next day um mm-hmm. i told the 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 senior who was the middle person like oh my god last night was so good and he, and then he's like oh where did you guys do it i i told him like okay we did it like on the ground floor and he was like oh which room oh the room with the carpet and the boxes and then he's like you did it in the surau and i was like what the fuck it was a surau but this but your experience right it kind of uh brings to mind the idea of uh adolescents exploring their sexuality yeah, in their yeah. own own terms right because mm. you were that in the new school with the seniors uh i mean consensually but um how do you think it can be done in a healthier way mm, i guess when when we're really truly ready to have sex with someone and mm-hmm. like it differs from one person to another so like for me i 
was truly ready at that point even though like someone was encouraging me or enabling me but in i think i saw it as a motivation so it's actually a, i think it's important to let people know that oh i am at this point sometimes we don't realize that that point of our lives we were ex- we're exploring our sexuality like I mean, for me, now I only realize, oh, at that point, I was exploring my sexuality and I didn't even know at that moment I was exploring my sexuality. So I think, number one, uh, we should be sure that we want to do this. And number two, uh, we should know that um, it's safe. It's safe for you it's safe for me it's safe for everything that is around us you know don't i mean it's still a criminal to do it here if somebody reports you so just mm-hmm. make sure that everyone is everyone involved is um aware of you know safety strategy or whatever um but also in your experience right you had differing experiences with seniors in schools like you had very negative experience with uh, seniors early on but then you had seniors who actually guided you into your sexual uh, discovery yeah so article you also mentioned how you feel nowadays looking at some of your seniors who abused you in the past uh seeing how they are living their lives on social media so um that was very relatable because during my high school years i was also probably of course not to your extent so but it was just because i was like a soft-spoken minority so it, it just came with that uh so when i see them sometimes when i see them requesting to add me on facebook i'm like why you why do you want to add me on facebook it's not like we had like a good relationship so usually i just ignore those kind of things those kind of requests um but, <laughs> exactly but this hazing culture right in in uh in institutions, especially in boarding schools, uh, is quite prevalent and is very toxic. So as a community, how do you think we can actually put an end to that? Um, the first thing that comes to my mind, okay, this this list is not in, a, in any particular order, but the mm-hmm. first thing that comes to my mind is about sex education, not, not just in the um, avoiding STD or pregnancy case but also like make sure you don't get locked up for having sex out of marriage you know so number mm-hmm. one is definitely educate the youth about this thing make sure that they know about uh, where, if, if they want to explore their sexuality make sure they know everything they know about STD they know about the law. They know mm-hmm. what to do in case things go south. In case like right. they get caught by their parents mm-hmm. or by authorities or by whatever that threatens their well-being. Lah. Right. And, and this education should also include uh, picking up on signs of sexual grooming, right? Oh yeah, definitely. Like um, for me... I I would say that um the 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 main factor of it is power play 
And I do understand that for some people, speaking up or standing up for themselves is tiring, taxing. It's hard to do. It involves a lot of anxiety to actually stand up for yourself. So it is also important to have a confidant, a person that you trust, that you can tell about it. You know, like for me, right, right. in my experience, when I was abused, I... Definitely did not have the channel to, you know, yeah. talk mm-hmm. uh, everything about this. Like when yeah. I when it happened to me, like the school didn't say like, oh, if you are bullied, if you um experience anxiety or depression or whatever, you can come to mm-hmm. this room. There's a counselor mm-hmm. in it, and the counselor mm-hmm. will not judge you for whatever you have done. They didn't exactly mm-hmm. like advocate like that, you know. So I that's important. It's important. It's important to have someone to back you up. You know, like um, if if things happen today, it try to. Tell it to another person that you trust immediately, so that you build credibility and also um, validation. Um, so that you know you, it's not like someone. It's not exactly a witness, but it's like um, oh, this thing happened to me, and the first thing that I did was I told someone. So, in a way, you did not just um. Take it and keep it to yourself, right? Because in a lot of cases, um, victims are often accused for not speaking up sooner. Mm. Um, they're they're always being accused that you know if you didn't say anything back then, what made you speak up now? Yeah, so I think that's yeah, that's a good point. That it's really important to um, talk to someone. Uh, immediately mm. and I think there is also stigma attached to boys coming to you know going to somebody to to complain about themselves being bullied or sexually abused even because there is a uh, there is a lot of societal expectations placed on boys and men yeah definitely from being honest yeah mm. so I think there needs to be a lot of work done on that also Oh, you have no idea because um, men are not expected to talk about our feelings, to talk about our emotions. We are expected to, you know, deal with it on our own, like man up or, you know, oh, it's just a small thing. It's not a big thing. You can handle it on your own because you're a man, something like that. Like, Right. And that you mentioned... Um, that men often find it hard to uh, speak up and talk about their their feelings and what they're feeling vulnerable about. Uh, I guess if someone listening right now is in that uh, position, uh, what do you think uh, they can, how do you think they can approach it? Uh, like what made you decide to talk about your experience? Hmm... Well, I think this has a lot to do with my sexuality because I'm gay and I am more comfortable being around women. So when, I was, when I'm around women, I 
am more comfortable to talk about things. And after that, I sort of develop this um, behavior of being open to talk about my feelings, about my emotions, without caring about what people have to say or what people perceive. So, but that's just me. But if you're a person who has a hard time of a hard time to tell someone how you feel or you don't want to be in a vulnerable state in front of someone i think writing it down is really good it's a good start to write down what has happened to you just to you know understand how you are in that state right. like yeah like write it down even though it's stupid or whatever i mean it mm-hmm. you're writing it for you you're not writing right. it for someone else because mm-hmm. i the way i see it if we don't want to tell someone we just feel like we want to understand why is this happening or how is this happening so i think a good start is to write them down just write how many pages you want and then start reading it and process it on your own if you're that type of of a person that you don't want to do you don't trust anyone or you don't want to talk to anyone about it so so it it is a, a kind of like a a a, a soliloquy with your own self you know like you process it with yourself and once you are ready or you feel like this is not sufficient it's not sufficient for me to just process this on my own when that point comes and you're ready to share it to, with someone you trust then approach someone approach that person you trust and let them know establish contacts first you know like mm-hmm. tell them um i want to let you know about something that has happened in my life and the reason i want to tell you is because i trust you and things like that i mean um it doesn't sound natural for anyone to like establish contacts and you know mm-hmm. be communicative in that sense like letting them know okay the purpose of me telling you this is because i want to process this with you or whatever things like that 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 is very academic but it's It's such a good way of doing it because um in my experience once I let them know and then they let me know that okay I think I'm ready to be that person who wants to support you that person who you trust that person who can process the traumatic event that you have gone through because we never right. yeah we never know that what we tell to what the information that we tell to the the other person would be harmful for them so it's very important to like let them know what i'm saying might affect you in some other way but if you're okay to listen and to re- respond um mm-hmm. i would love you to do that but if you are not okay to listen or to respond that it might triggers 
sorry, things in your life, then it's fine. I can find someone else. Mm-hmm. And you did bring up some great points on what victims themselves can do, right? Yeah. To their plight. Uh, what can others, like people around the victim, you know, as the victim is going through this hardship, what about the others around them can do to first to figure out if something is wrong with them and to maybe some of the signs that they can look up for to find out if somebody is a victim of sexual grooming and uh, of course eventually sexual abuse? Mm, this is quite tricky because when it comes to sexual grooming, it's a long-term thing. So if that if the people around the victim has been there, has been in that victim's life since forever, you might want to look at uh, their personality, like before and after. Like maybe there's a significant change in their personality. Like before this, they're very outgoing. They're very uh, open to talk about things or they have patterns or routines before the traumatic uh, event happened to them and then after the traumatic happened the traumatic event happened maybe they change their routine or they flinch at they flinch whenever you touch them or um, they have problem they have issues when it comes to talk talking like when you there's a a a significant change in how they speak uh meaning they maybe they avoid uh entirely talking about something and um or maybe they want to be alone most of the time um i think this is also important like mm-hmm. if the person before this the person always likes to hang out with their friends or go out or you know just uh be around people and then suddenly he or she or they change they want to be alone most of the time they prefer to do things on their own and they don't want to be around people that's a a, a pretty good sign that something must have happened especially the flinching part i think that's that's quite a telltale yeah. sign yeah yeah and also, Rahimi, you did mention in your article that you had some healing methods that you, uh, you know, you took up to get over the abuse. Uh, in your abuse, what were those methods that you used and would you recommend to other victims of uh, sexual grooming and sexual abuse as well? So the first thing that I did was I wanted to understand what happened. Like that was the first thing I wanted to know what happened, how it happened, and why it happened. So after knowing all these facts, then I start to piece all the puzzles. Like, okay, it happens because it happened because of this, it happened uh, in this way or in that way, and things like that. And after knowing all those facts, I came to a conclusion that this this is not my fault. I was not responsible in any way of uh, me getting abused, you know? Like, oh, just because I'm feminine, I 
I have to be abused. No, it's not because of that. I was not in complete control over the situation. Somebody else was controlling it. And then number two, it really helped me to talk about it with a person I trust. I am so grateful that I have a consistent, valuable, helpful support system. Uh, my my friends, they never judge me for what happened to me. They were just there to listen to me. They they also wanted to work things out with me. And that's like, I really appreciate that. Kue um, Lapis has actually put together a very, uh, very informative resource for queer people mm. in need of support. So I think we will share it on our Twitter and our Facebook as well. Yeah. Actually, we have shared it. Uh, so you can find it on our social media mm. for if you're seeking help and you would li- you would like to be comfortable and you know it's a safe space. Yeah. So definitely go check out that list. And uh, yeah, I mean, the, those, those coping methods that you mentioned, Rahimi, they were so good. Mm. Uh, I hope our listeners could also pay attention to the signs you mentioned to us about. Uh, pay attention to if, if there are any parents listening to what their kids are going through in, in a boarding school or in their high school. You know, ask them the right questions. And make sure there is no stigma attached to being bullied, whether you're a guy or a girl, I would say. Uh, thank you so much, Rahimi, for joining us today on this, uh, you know, for to discuss about this topic and uh, for giving us so much insight. Thank you, Rahimi, for being so, uh, I guess, honest and open about your experience as well. And uh, we hope you continue to do great work. Uh, you know, we know you have your plates full and we hope it becomes fuller. Yeah. <laughs> My plate keeps on growing, you know. Right. <laughs> okay, Rahimi, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. 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 Bye.